Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. All right, we are back after a couple of weeks off, holiday season. Now it's New Year. Nope. Um, it was a good little break. I'm glad we had a little break, actually. Uh, took some time off and just was out of town and hung out with family and stuff. And yeah. now I'm back, and we were talking before, Get both of us are kind of getting into a new phase and a new season training-wise, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about most of today. But that little break at the end of the year was actually pretty nice and felt pretty rejuvenating for me anyways. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I got some really nice messages just to keep it pertinent to the to the podcast um, when we didn't post one last week. And that was just that was a myriad of, of reasons. You know, I was in Arizona, terrible service. I was hunting. Mm -hmm. You were you were doing some family stuff and it just didn't work out. Uh, not intentionally, but right. it was it was nice on one front because it was like it gave me a chance to, to think about this, to, mm -hmm. to read some messages from people when the message didn't go, uh, didn't drop last week. You know, they're like, are you guys still doing this? I know you'd mentioned like six or seven episodes. So, um, yes, we are. Yeah. And, and to, <laughs> I, I, to that point, I think it's a very beneficial outlet, uh, for me, especially, um, just because like I said, I, I sit with my thoughts a lot and I write down a lot of the things, but I don't really, always uh navigate other people's perception of my thoughts i do some mm. and um you know it's it's just a lot of the stuff that i have shared or you know experienced over the last 20 years of my life have been as i mentioned have been very much solo adventures as far as yeah. i might be somewhere where i know people or or you know uh have working relations with, with people but for the most part you know, we're not sitting around talking about how awesome my experience was or, or the things <laughs> right. that I experienced or whatnot, you know, kind of a lot of those situations, you just, it's a, it's the relief of just being there, doing what you need to do and then, and getting on about your business. So I don't know, it was, um, it was very refreshing for me in, in, in a positive way 
rather than like an avoidance way. Like I wasn't glad mm. that we didn't do it, but it was right. like, man, no, I, I really appreciate doing these episodes and I really appreciate the, um, the ability to talk to you and, and get to know you. And like I've said before, I think we're very, we're cut from similar cloth. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just sewn a little different, you know, mm. like you, you've lived a pretty, pretty exemplary, exemplary life, I think. And I've, I've done some really cool things, but at, at my own expense many times too. So I think between the two of us, we have a, a good dialogue that allows us to, yeah. to navigate ourselves and, you know, people from a fly on the wall perspective, get some, some, hopefully some help and insight. Well, and like you said too, I'm, I'm similar in the way that a, a lot of things that I do, I'm by myself most For of the sure. time, you know yeah. what I mean? So in, in terms of having a regular and it's, and it's even different than when I would have just a regular guest come on the show here to talk, yeah. uh, you know, that's one person I talked to one week for that conversation, but like having a regular thing, like you and I talk every week, yeah. you know, and that allows for some deeper communication, some, some more conversation. And just, I mean, that's what happens when you just become friends and get to know people better, you know? And yeah. so that gets me into a place where like the, the same thing you were saying, where all these things that I think of in my head or I'm, I'm working on when I'm by myself during the day, I can internalize those in a certain way. But then like when we talk about them and I actually say them out loud and then hear them, mm-hmm. right? Like that is a different perspective on the thought itself. And then seeing like how you react to it or like hearing your perspective come back at it. Like that's what conversation and friendship is. But like you, yeah. when you spend so much time by yourself, you only have like that one way of analyzing thought patterns. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and two, I find that, you know, when I, when I've been gone for a bit or I've, I've had a drive or, you know, whatever it is, like when I've exhausted myself thinking, I'm more engaged in hearing from others about what mm. they're, what's going on with them, what they've had thinking about, or, or you know, mm-hmm. it, um, I, I do understand more about myself now as I've gotten older that I'm a bit more, um, difficult than I, than I previously thought in my life, you know, because I, you know, many times I've had experiences where I'm willing to, to discuss things. It's just one, I either don't want to beat a dead horse that I've already beaten in my brain, you know, like I've, I've thought about it so much or two, um, as I mentioned that I've just, I've always been more focused on hearing from other people. I, I, I try to draw conversation out of other people. And a lot of times when you're talking about yourself, you know, it's part of a conversation, but it can dominate a conversation too. And I've even felt that on here, you know, like I've even felt that I talk too damn much on here, but, um, you know, it's just, it's part of who I am, I guess. Um, because I love conversation, but I was thinking about this the other day too. Um, and I think maybe you and I've talked about this or maybe it was Logan and I, but you know, I hadn't listened to Rogan for quite a while but I was listening to him the other day and, um, you know, I was like, man, what a, what a master of an art that is basically being, you know, it, it's just being eliminated at every turn. Now mm. podcasts are gaining more and more momentum, but what I've noticed as far as podcasts go, Joe continues to, to seemingly go longer. Yeah. Whereas I've seen some information being floated around just on sponsored ads or whatever, like, people don't have time for an hour. People want five minute convos or 
they, you know, they want the the hack or they want this or they yeah. want that. And like we all do, we all want those things, but man, the, one of the most essential things that makes us human is conversation. Yeah. And I think this may be an overstep here, you know, but I think that as humans, we will reach a we will reach a point of regression because we stop communicating. Yeah, we we stop having depth of, of understanding and feeling and and um, depth of thought about things to the point that we just become mumbling regurgitators of whatever the the daily soup is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I see it over and over and over again, and I and I, and I myself partake in all of these things. So it's not like I'm absolving myself of guilt, but you'll see one person share a meme and then you'll see it 10, 12, 15, 20 more times. <clears throat> and it's like, what is it about that meme? Mm -hmm. Why after, you know, if I saw these 10 or 12 people share it or people saw me as one of the 10 or 12 share it, mm -hmm. why then do they feel the need to share it? Like right. what are, what are we actually trying to prove gain progress by doing that whereas what are we saying we're trying to dwindle down you know politics or medicine or science or sport to one photograph with 25 mm -hmm. words or less on it you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. at some point that is going to be the evolution of human we're going to take this beautiful conversation as as a figure of human mm -hmm and dwindle it down to a photograph with 25 words or less. Like we're all going to become a carbon copy of the same kind of thing. But that thing is not advancing. That thing is not pushing the envelope. There are certain people that are, but like, what are we losing by not having freaking conversation? And I ask that very honestly of myself, because as I just mentioned, my conversation throughout my life has been very stunted. So how stunted am I? Hmm. You know, the, it makes me think of my, my immediate reference point for what you're saying. Like, and I, and I understand this very little, so mm -hmm. this is what I'm prefacing this with is oh, I understand that I understand nothing. this very little. <laughs> I <understand> <laughs> and I, and honestly, I probably understand nothing about this particular thing, but that's what I am getting the sense from people that tell me that's what like this whole NFT thing is. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's when you're talking about like, why do people want to share the thing that I've shared or whatever? It's to feel like, hey, if someone else did this thing and I do it, too, that makes me connected to them somehow. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we both we both get it, you know, and like that's what this like with the NFT. It's it's literally trying to take place of art, first mm -hmm. of all. And then it's also if everybody is a part of this one, that means you're in this club. Like you yeah. get it, you know, like you're part of this thing. And so, but why are we trying to do that? Why are we, that's what I mean. Hyper, like, I, why are we yeah, trying exactly. to hyper tribalize, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was on the heels of talking to Ben Ipert. Um, that was something that, you know, I had a thought about the, cause I'd painted the, my compound and, um, he was asking about that. it. it he was good. like, yeah, thank you. He was like, are you going to do more with it? And I was like, well, winter strong and tack, you know, those two things. I took my recurved attack and it, it's a, it, it is a limiting thing Yeah, when you have targets a hundred yards and you've, you've got to be the one guy that wants to, Hey, can I shoot half the distance or can, <laughs> right. you know, and it's a little different if somebody's beginning and <clears throat> excuse me, they're learning to shoot and they want to shorten the distance. But 
I just wanted something that I could compete with myself on and, and mm-hmm. whatever. But it's like, I've gotten messages from people that were like, I don't, I don't know if disappointment's the word, but they were like, man, I thought you were just going to hunt with your recurve this year. I thought you were just going to stick to you, that. You left us. You're abandoning us. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, man, the, the overarching alpha father of that conversation is hunting. Yeah. Like I'm still hunting. Um, and, and I've been the guy that has questioned myself when I killed that elk with a rifle. Like, is this as meaningful? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I did get a little bit high on my horse with the recurve. And I, I still believe that that will be my dominant choice. I, I love it. But, man, I didn't shoot my compound for a year. Uh, and maybe that was the best dedication to the recurve. But I took right. some time away from it. And when I came back to it, the first person I shoot with is Levi, mm-hmm. you know, and then I go out to, uh, to Chino, <coughs> excuse me. So, you know, and those guys are great archers too. And then the guys in, uh, Oklahoma, I mean, it was like three successive experiences where from a compound perspective and my outlook on hunting, I was around three groups of people that I want to shoot a compound with. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I just think that I think that we need to really step back from all of this because like I said before, we, there's so much incoming, you know, and even like a computer, when you just keep asking it to do things, it freezes, right? You can't ask yeah. a computer to run it at full tilt on a hundred different operations. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's somewhat where we are. I mean, if you think about it, the human brain designed the human computer brain. Mm-hmm. So while it may be able to do things at a higher level and more advanced, it's probably operating somewhat similar to the way a human brain thinks. So if, if a computer can't do it and they're built to process and we're maybe not built to process in the, in the rate of speed that we're asked to or tasked to, right. Um, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of people start to have these, you know, heightened depression, heightened mental disorders, heightened things like that. I think a lot of it is probably nature, but I think a lot of it is nurture too. So rather than just committing to I'm going to do whatever the the latest thing is, or I'm just going to fall in line. I think we need to ask ourselves, okay, where does that put us? Where yeah. does that leave us? And this idea kind of stemmed from a Duncan Trussell comment about going to Mars. Did you hear that by a chance? I don't think I did. <clears throat> so he was talking about how Musk is so certain that life will be better on Mars or whoever is so certain life will be better on Mars. We don't know what Mars's impact will be on human evolution. Mm. Will we, will, is a six foot two, 230 pound white man even an effective object on Mars? Or do I have to, you know, do the mm-hmm. best I can? Children come along and then they're different and then yep. their children are different. So, like, if we understand that a place can make us different, then we understand that thoughts can make it, make us different. Is the internet not a place? that we yeah. go, that we, that we are mm-hmm. destined when we, when we pick up our phone to find. And then beyond that, like what did those thoughts create within us? So how does that place the internet and our thoughts, how are they changing us? Yeah. You know, I mean, well, that's they really- all feed loop into, into each other every time. So when, sure. you're, when you're saying like the example of even the podcast world saying we need shorter, more sound bite type stuff, right? All that does is it continually shortens the ability of focus and attention span. So it's like you're you're constantly hitting that that hit 
where it's like, okay, I'm done. I need something else now. Move on to this next thing. Here's my next six and a half minute deal. Here's my, and then I burn through that. And like, you're constantly always trying to chase that one feeling of, I need to be on top of new stuff all the time, then actually getting to the the layer below that Mm. and having a thought. And then it keeps, you know, getting the layer below that. And then it keeps continuing down, which is why, like when you brought, when we're talking about Joe and he's doing the opposite, of yeah. all of this and he's now going four and a half hours or whatever on some of these you know what i mean but like from the very beginning one of my favorite things he ever said and admittedly like i really don't listen to him much sure um and it's just more of I, like I, he's amazing at what he does obviously but i've i have always listened to tim ferris like he was one of the first like real podcasts i really got into and i just enjoy tim's interview you style met you met tim mm-hmm that's Go ahead, awesome. Finish your story. I'll tell you. Yeah, that. it's brief. He, uh, I've just always enjoyed his interview style a lot more. Um, but what Joe has said, like, because people are like, oh, you need to make sure you release every every, you know, be consistent, release on the same day every week or whatever. And he's like, dude, it's my podcast. I'll do whatever I want. He's like, sometimes yeah. I'll release four episodes in a week, and sometimes I won't release one. Like he's yeah. like, doesn't matter, <clears throat> you know. Like, and that's the and I and he's one of like the shining examples of he'll just do it whatever he wants, and it's gonna work. You know, you know, but, but that's I, but that's motivating to a degree because I think a lot of people think there has to be this template you have to follow, and yeah. it's like, well, this is what all the you know coaches of this say. I need to do it this way, this way, this way, and maybe, but also just try and do whatever you want and see if well, it I mean, works. Who do you who do you who do you idolize as a musician? I mean, you're a big music guy. You don't yeah, you don't you don't idolize the guys that like played it safe and you know. Yeah. Did Christmas albums every second year. You know, you, <laughs> right. you idolize the guys that were on the cutting edge that were yeah. that were pushing the envelope. And, and that envelope and edge was their personality. That voice yeah. that they couldn't turn off. You know, whenever you know Jimi Hendrix played the Star Spangled Banner. Mm-hmm. And nobody even knew what that to do. That is his fingers communi- You know, I thought about this again, way off track, but I thought about this. One time when I was watching John Butler play Oceans, oh. um, that song is so amazing and so meaningful. Um, it's it's just such a powerful, powerful thing. And some of the the highest feelings I've ever felt in my life have been listening to that song. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's just a, it's just an intermen- in, instrumental guy on a guitar, and especially the one um, where he's in the studio. I think I've sent you that yep. one before. Yep. I was watching this guy and I'm like, who would this man be if somebody hadn't given him a guitar? Mm. Like what would that, what would that beautiful sound coming from those strings emote or emit from this human being? If it weren't beautiful music, would it be anger? Would it be uh, domestic abuse? Would it be because it's at such a high level mm-hmm. and it's trying to get out, you know, in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And this was a beautiful example of how it could come out. I wonder how many people have something like that and they just never find the medium to express something beautiful and it becomes destructive because when I can't, when I can't write, that's when I become very Mm -hmm. self-destructive. And, you know, we've talked about that before. So I wonder, you know, but I have found writing. I have found those things. How frustrated would I be if I didn't? Uh, right. you know, because I can't sing. So it's like, you know, I can't, <laughs> right. I can't, where's the outlet or where's the channel right. for it. So I, yeah. you know, again, like I said before, 
I don't have a clear cut answer on any of this. I'm trying to piece it all together. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to piece together why we're unable to finish a movie when we start it because we're bored or we can't actually turn pages in a book anymore because we can't focus. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that is human evolution. You know, I don't. So, and well, even think about, even think about when you're shooting, right? Yeah. Like the, the, the things that you noticed when you immersed in the recurve this year, mm-hmm. like how much more of a deep focus that that brought to like every little inch of what you were doing versus kind of the mechanically almost secondhand nature that a compound was at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have to almost immerse yourself and bring it into almost a meditative kind of state where that was probably the only outlet for, or, or to get you to that point. You know mm. what I mean? So like, cause when you're, when you're shooting a compound for so long, like you said, if you, you've given the example in this, in the story, like you'd get ticked if you were an inch outside of the bullseye because it's so automatic, like you're not even thinking anymore. Yeah. 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 You know? And so, For but sure. like, and then bring it into something where like every time you, you're noticing like how my lat squeezed, if it <laughs> felt, you know, like all these little tiny metrics throughout the entire draw and release. And like, did my finger touch my cheek at this exact right spot or was it a quarter inch too high? Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that type of deep, deep like meditative like focus was one of those channels i think you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like that was because i felt the same thing too like not necessarily having the same experience prior to that with the compound but that was like one of the first things i noticed in those in those first weeks of shooting the recurve was like holy cow like i just spent 40 minutes shooting i didn't even feel like it was 10 because i was so zoned in and focused on what i was doing like i haven't had a task like that for a long time and so like when you're like with with john butler like there was that channel for him like to create and and focus and and funnel all of his energy through a guitar or like ed van halen right like that's who was the king for me like my entire life you know those guys finding something that they could push and take to the next one and then when somebody would tell them like no you dude you you can't do that you can't take apart the guitar and put like these parts from a guitar that doesn't match it inside this one and then cut like a hole and do this. And and Ed's like, whatever, watch me. Yeah. And it makes like alien sounds and it's just his fingers. And you would think it's like a spaceship taking over earth. And like, he's like, see, I told you, but that it's (laughs) kind of crazy. Well, you know, and I think that not to, not to be too much of a fanboy, but I do have a tremendous amount of respect for Aaron Snyder. And one of the things that he had done that I was, you know, I was having the same question. I just wasn't allowing myself to have an answer. It's like, Mm. so I run the quivalizer on the compound and it's basically a combination of your quiver and a stabilizer bar on the front of your bar. Couldn't hunt in a blind with it because it's too long. Mm -hmm. Um, Got a lot of wind push because it's long. And I had often fought with how extreme it was. Well, Aaron posted a photo where he had cut his down like six inches. And I was like, well, holy shit. If I cut mine four, four and a half, <laughs> it's exactly the same length as my normal stabilizer. It serves the purpose of not having a quiver and on and on and on. And it was like, I had literally thought, man, if this was shorter, it would be perfect. Well, <laughs> didn't realize you could actually do it. <laughs> well, it, it's just like, why didn't I pick up a saw and cut it? You know, because I respect Dan, the guy that made the thing. 
-hmm. And that's how he made it. And I saw people successful with it. So it's like, maybe I'm the problem. Small example, but like many, many times throughout my life or people's lives that I've witnessed, it is that inability to do the thing that would absolutely make you happy or make what you're doing more like what you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. But you stay inside some kind of boundary that mm. is set there. Like, why the fuck can't I cut this carbon fiber? <laughs> right. Like, why can't I cut it? I cut it. I'll show you what I cut it with. I cut it with the most. Oh, it was it was completely poorly engineered, but it worked. But uh, I just basically <laughs> took a steak knife and just started hacking into this thing because my electric saw, <laughs> the battery was charging, and I wanted to get it done. So I was like, I just took the steak knife and just used the grooved edges and cut it, and then I sanded it to make it smooth. But nevertheless, it's like, that's how I was. The answer was two and a half feet away for yep. the three and a half years I've owned that thing. Yeah. But instead I just kept enduring it, you know, and, and not like it was bad, but, and that's probably the dumbest example ever. But I mean, I think that so many times, whether it's a training program or a, a nutrition program or a relationship or a job or whatever, we have so many more options to fix Mm-hmm. than we're actually even allowing ourselves to do. So what I've been pontificating on or like trying to explain for myself is what what are those walls? Who mm-hmm. put them there? And like where the hell are we going from that? You mm-hmm. know? But I don't know if we can answer that in an it's, hour. I, well, it's just the the it you can Frankenstein it cuz I mean that's to take to bring it back like to what you did with with your with your quiver, like what Aaron yeah. did, what Ed did with the guitar, his, his, the guitar was literally called the Frankenstein. Yeah. Cause yeah. that was like the first thing he did. And uh, there was a really cool story about when they were doing, uh, when the company PV had licensed to make his line of guitars. Yeah. And they brought him one and they're like, here, test this out. Let's see if you like it. And he tra- he played it and said, this isn't going to hold a tuning worth of crap. He's like, yeah. it looks great and it sounds all right. But he's like, give me, give me a day and I'll fix it for you. Yeah. And like literally he had taken the entire thing apart and they left that night, like all the engineers or whatever that know how to build guitars, like all these guys that are, that's what their job is. Leave it with him for a night. They come back the next day and he had literally stripped the entire thing apart, taken every piece of wiring out of the guitar himself re-put it back together and they're like it was the most beautiful sounding thing i've ever heard in my life yeah <laughs> but he's like he's like i wasn't gonna put if i wasn't gonna put my name on it it's gonna sound like i had something to do with it and yeah. so he's like this is how it needs to sound all the time and they're like okay well you're the math you're the freaking dr frankenstein here you know well that reminds me of days <laughs> of thunder um oh, yes you know robert duvall's the 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 pit crew chief and Tom Cruise is a race car driver and Tom Cruise is just pure talent, assholes and elbows. Like he doesn't know mm-hmm. kind of like we were talking about with the compound. You don't know why it's doing what it's doing, but you can make it do that thing. Yep. And that was kind of the communication with the, the pit crew was like, we can build it, but if it's not, if we're not building you a car, we're just mm-hmm. building a fast car. So they had to communicate. And like, I think, I, I think the, the sum of the whole will advance if we pay attention to those outliers, Mm. right? If we, Mm -hmm. if we take an Eddie Van Halen and we say, Hey man, our engineers, the best engineers in the world built this guitar and we think you'll love it. And he's like, well, it sounds like trash. Let me show you how to fix it. (laughs) He might not have been able to engineer the base of that design, but at, 
at the peak of the mountain, he knew how to make that thing work. Mm -hmm. And I think some way, shape or form, that is where the the desire for tribe comes in, right? We we Mm -hmm. can't all do it alone. We need help from each other. But man, like, I I guess what's bothering me about some of this stuff is that there's so many people that are self-supported um, experts that are telling other people how to do these. And this is a trend. Like you're going to, this is one of my biggest pet peeves in modern society is people that, you know, they, they get a six figure job and now they're holding clinics on how to tell people how to make six figures, you know, it's like, or seven when they, yeah, or whatever, you know, like, (laughs) you know, um, but I think it's misleading people. I think it's, it's definitely something I catch myself caught up in, but you know, as far as powerlifting and, and whatnot goes, um, I can remember some of that feeling where I, I knew that I was doing things that were a little bit outside the lines. Mm. And that's where I felt like, okay, like I felt the best about the work that I was doing because it was like, I knew specifically now this was my work. And I, and I remember when it started to feel more like that, I don't know if there are those markers of perception in just day-to-day life for people though. Right. You know, I don't know if they're getting the idea that, you know, I'm getting up, I'm getting up today and today's the day that I'm going to draw outside the lines, you know, and how, how can they, can they, can they even, are they so woven into this life fabric that they can't get outside the lines now? That's, that's one of those where you wonder if it's a, like, that's just a personality trait or if that's mm-hmm. something you can foster into someone, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that. Like there are some people who are always just going to do that because they're never going to take something as it's given to them. Yeah. (laughs) Like it it, it could like with the, you know, to go again with the Ed example, like probably to every other guitarist on the planet, that guitar would be like, dude, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, like the, and some of the best ones ever would be like, this is great, man. I'll love it. Sounds awesome. And he's like, no, dude, this sounds like trash. He's like, you know, like, cause he was always going to do that. And so like, there's going to be those people that no matter what the situation or how it's presented, like somebody's always going to be the, the one who wants to ask like, really, is this the best that it could be? Like, do I need this? I think this can be done a lot differently. And I think that you and I have flex of that, at times more than other times in life. But cause yeah. I mean, I remember that was, I mean, I, and at the time it's probably a little delusional also, which it kind of oh, has yeah. to be, you know, it has to be at some point because I remember when I was, uh, when I was working at the, my first training gig at the big box gym, like it was my first training job I'd ever had, but right. six months in, I'm sitting there like I could run the business better than this is being run right now. Like yeah. having zero business experience running a business, you know, but like that's that was my kind of delusional belief because I saw like how like this just on the on its face didn't make sense to me how it was working. I was like, I could do it better than this. Right. right? And it took me a year from that point to like get up the maybe the maybe not the courage, but just like where I actually felt competent enough to be like, okay, I definitely know I can do it better than this now. And then I pieced out and I did, was like, I didn't have everything figured out, but I still left and I'm like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I don't have to sit in this anymore. Like I will go and do this thing and it'll, I'll have the ups and downs or whatever, but I'll figure it out. I trust myself enough to figure it out. I think that's a personality trait for sure. Um, I've even seen people in high skilled situations where, <clears throat> the answer or the coach or, or the exit, you know, is, is right there. And at the first sign of hardship, they just crumble 
And I mean, they don't know how to ask for help. They don't know how to say, I can't do anymore. It's like, they just become helpless. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'll at least just dwindle it down to you and I, knowing things about you. I know you're that kind of person knowing myself. I'm kind of a person that likes to see how fucked up I can get before I do figure it out apparently. (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I do have that innate desire to just keep going, you know, Uh, like even when I talked about being at the point where I wasn't sure if I wanted to live, well, that wasn't the question. I was just so bad at living, (laughs) you know, like I wanted to live, but I just wanted to live a lot better than I was. And I think even in that moment, I was pretty clear on myself that, man, all of this thing, this whole life is just a series of choices. It really is just a series of choices. And as I've said before, kind of where the day count started and and kind of where the plus one mentality started for me, I, I was in a thousand bad choice hole, right? I'd made a thousand bad choices what would one good choice do me in that situation? Not much. What would two, what would three, what would four at some point that teeter totter is going to tip to balance and then it's Mm -hmm. going to fall to the good. So for me, I think that was, that was part of the beginning process was like, I've made so many bad decisions, but I took ownership of them. You know, at that point I was like, all these people you're blaming aren't here. They're not suffering. They're not Mm -hmm. feeling this thing that you're feeling but you are. So you got to own that feeling. Where does that come from? Well, if I hadn't done this, I wouldn't be here. If I hadn't hurt this person, I wouldn't be here. If I hadn't lied to this person, I would, you know what I mean? And when I started saying those types of things, if I hadn't have done this, I wouldn't be here. If I hadn't have done this, I wouldn't be here. Oh, but if I had done this, I wouldn't be here, you Mm -hmm. know, and started to just give myself those bowling bumpers to keep the ball going straight. You know, like I'm not trying to hit a strike every time. I'm just trying to keep the ball going straight. And I think for a lot of people, that's what they're really trying to do. And and I'm kind of digesting the thoughts that we were talking about earlier now, but I think that a lot of people are so lost within themselves, not maybe rock bottom, but they're lost and they're looking outside of themselves for the answer through people who are just giving answers You know, um, I think it's important to really sit down with yourself and ask hard questions. How did I ever allow myself to do this? How did I ever find myself in this place? How did I ever think these things? And, and maybe that's part of my, my psychosis is that Mm -hmm. I constantly ask those questions of myself, but man, I can tell you that the, not that my life is perfect, but at least when I am aware of what I'm doing aware of why I'm doing it and aware of what I'm hoping to receive, whether it be the gift of giving, the gift of receiving, uh, the gift of a door opening, the gift of whatever life can give you. Mm -hmm. Um, as long as I'm honest with myself about those things, I've noticed that my life moves forward when I'm, when I'm somewhat bullshitting myself or when I start to let that creep in that like, Oh, so-and-so did this to me and that's why that thing failed. Or this person has so much more than me because of, no, that person has more because, because they did something in some plane at a timely fashion, Mm -hmm. you know, that you didn't do. 
Right. What's the next timely thing that I can do for myself to benefit myself, to give myself the things that I want in life to, to gain the experiences that I want. I don't know, man, but you know, I look at all these motherfuckers with it figured out and it blows my mind. Like I look at myself and again, this may be my psychosis, but I'm looking at myself as scrutinizingly as I can Mm -hmm. with as much scrutiny and like, I won't even call it like I'm not trying to shit talk myself. Right. I'm trying to just look at my life. How did I get here? What all that stuff. And I feel further from knowing anything. I have answers. Right. Mm -hmm. But my knowing that anything is absolute, I'm further from that every single time I answer questions, you know? So when these, when these folks start telling you how to live your life or how to diet or, or all this stuff, it may be very valuable information, but it may be the last thing you need. Mm -hmm. The things that you need are within yourself. I I truly believe that. And I think that that gets a little monkish and a little outside the box ish, but they really, really are because you're the only person that's lived your life. You're the only person that's lived through your lens and walked in your shoes. There's a lot of nuance in that. Yeah. You know, Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that's, again, that's kind of to bring it full circle to what we talked about. That's what we're trying to do right now is lay out some things, not even resolutions. I hate that term because yeah. it's, it's a, it's a cop out. It's like, Oh, just because it's a new year, I'm going to be a new me. No resolutions are, are promises waiting to be broken. The things that you can be like, if you want to be resolute about something, do it. Don't make a resolution because somebody tells you on January 1st, you have to. Right. Um, There's no difference between January 1st and December 23rd. No, I mean, (laughs) I'll respect the person who, who is willing to say I'll start now um, more than I'll start whenever everybody else does. But we had talked about some things as far as training, Yeah, maybe we can, we can kind of expand this out a little bit. What are three things and maybe break them down one by one Mm -hmm. as we go. What are three things that you are committed to this year Mm. um, as far as like, improving about yourself not not family Mm -hmm. not work not like the things that you do in the 24 hours that you have uh the the first is i have let uh and it and it's not that i'm bad at it in terms of organizing my time but there are things that i let bleed into parts of my day that mm-hmm. take away from things I want to do yeah. because I think I need to finish the thing I need to do first. And mm-hmm. when that happens, like if, if I let something bleed into that time, then in that moment, I I'm like, well, I just needed to get this done. Right. Like I just had yeah. to get this done, but the extra time spent usually isn't the highest quality that it could have been had I just moved on to something else and then come back later. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's something that like I've, I, I usually am good at that, but lately there's been a seasonal where I'm like, I've I've got a lot of things I'm working on and I'm kind of just letting that manage my time rather than me being more deliberate with how I'm organizing myself. Yeah. And so that's probably the first because that will allow space for these other like couple of things that I I want to make a priority. Um, And so, and, and it's funny because that's one of the things like, like literally in the, in the foundations program, um, that I coached, that was our topic of conversation last week was how we go about putting the things in our days that are important Mm -hmm. to us and having hard boundaries around those things. Like, yeah, if I don't put in my schedule 
I'm going to train today at this time. And I just leave that open and be like, hey, if I have time, I'm going to train. If that's the approach, then I'm ne- I won't because I'm going to let other stuff bleed into that yeah. hour block. But if it's in my schedule, like you're going to train today, then I have to treat it like any other appointment. You know, and then maybe that type of hyperness or, you know, hyperactivity towards it isn't forever, but that's how I operate. Like if it's not something I have on there, then I'll let whatever's before that kind of take over that what would be considered empty space. No, I think that's a, I mean, I think that's a very valuable point because I'm the same way, especially (laughs) working out. uh, I work out at night. So a lot of time, and a lot of times that has just become necessity. Like I go until everything's done and then I work out. Yeah. Yep. When did you decide to start maybe building a calendar on a day-to-day structure rather than just like, Oh, on this day, I'm going to the doctor on this day. I have a podcast. Like when did you start itemizing your day and how did you, how do you do your week? Do you do it the day before? Do you do it a week at a time? Cause this is something I don't do. I don't do the micro stuff. I kind of do the macro stuff. It's like between Monday and Friday, if I do these Mm -hmm. things, I, you know, I did what I needed to do right. rather than like, what would that look like if I said, I have to get these things done by Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday, I can do these things. Cause that's, that's where yep. I fall, you know, is yep. trying to figure out how to be more productive while not. Yeah. Like trying to condense, Oh, I've got mm-hmm. until Friday to do it. And then taking Thursday and Friday to kill myself to do it. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, that kind yeah, of exactly. So the actual <clears throat> sort of system that, I use now, I was taught um, when I went through a a coaching program a few years ago, ran by Mike Bledsoe, who was the original Barbell Shrug Toast. It was a business coaching program that he runs. And I uh, learned under him for uh, a handful of months that year. And it's kind of just a, you know, it's a version of the kind of the system that he taught. Um, But I start with just a week. Like when you get good at planning a week, then you can move on to like, here's the things for the month and then the quarter and then the year. But like, you know, I was learning from a a business perspective yeah, uh, because they're just like tasks that need to get done. Right. And so, but the, the process itself applies obviously across any part of your day. But what was really helpful for me was like, I would plan out the week in advance. The first thing that would go into the schedule would be the things that were like training. Yeah. Right. The, the things that I knew that if they weren't, I would, I wouldn't do them. Right. Uh, so it was things like training or if there was like a, an appointment, like even little things like I need to get a haircut this week, or I need to take, uh, my dog to the vet, or I need to, you know, these things that seem like they could get pushed off if something else came up. Right. Those were the things that would go in first because that way I would make sure if this is training, if it's a massage, if it's, I got a Cairo, if it's whatever, that's going to go in and I'll make sure it's on the schedule. And then it was a matter of uh, like, there was a couple of little things that were really helpful for, for me to help not have my energy levels all over the place during the day where I would, I would block off a time for like all emails, responding to DMS, text messages, coaching things. They were things that were like similar in nature, right? So like everything that was kind of emaily ish, I would spend during one time of the day rather than be like, I'm going to check my email at 10. Then I'm going to go train some people. I'm going to come back. I'm going to check again at one. I'm going to go and do this. And then I'm going to come back. I'm like, cause that's going to require different energy outputs throughout the entire day. And I'm going to up and down and different levels of focus. Right. And so if I can instead throw in a block of time for 45 minutes and just answer every email, answer every DM, respond to my, my 
on train heroic for the guys that put in their, their workouts on train around responding to them. Like I can do all that in an hour, then I don't need to do it the rest of the day and I can focus on these. So it's more of like this batching protocol where yeah. like things kind of go together. Um, and so that was really helpful for me, but I would do it at, at a week at a time. And yeah. then when I got good at doing like a week at a time, then you can do a month, right. you know, but I think a lot of people are like, <laughs> I'm going to plan out the next 90 days and they can't even organize the next 24 hours. Right. You know, so it's, it's always more helpful, I think, to start on the smaller end of that time domain or whatever it is, and then build out as you get more competent with your process. Well, I think that's why some of the programs like 75 hard have been so successful because it lays out an itemized protocol rather than just, Hey, yeah, here's your training for 75 days. Right. You know, it, it, it kind of gives you an intrinsic discipline. I've never, I've never done it. Um, and I've, I've only glanced through it a couple of times, but I do like the premise that it is establishing a protocol. Like first thing, when you wake up, yeah. um, uh, sometime during the day, do this, you know, you got to walk multiple times a day. You've got to train a couple of times a day. So I think the byproduct of it is, you know, is, is taking control of your life and understanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, to go back to the terrible analogy of the computer in the mind, like, there's no way that I can remember every single thing that yeah. I have to do in a, in a five day period. If you ask yep. me right now, I'm going to miss something. Right. Just like journaling. If you don't write down your thoughts, you're going to miss things or you're going to circle those same thoughts over and over without expanding on them. That is something that I need to get better at. I mean, I, I do the things that I need to do, but again, like I said, navigating those things so that I do them the best way the first time. And then I also get them done, you know, kind of in a, in a scaled balance more so than like, okay, I'm going to shoot my bow today at some point. Well, that's definitely going to happen. I'm going to train. That's definitely going to (laughs) happen. Right. And those things tend to, it's because my excitement for those things is so high. Yeah. You know, I doubt that they're going to be diminished after I've done all the suck either. You know, I've just got it flip flopped. Yeah. Um, and, and that's probably true of my entire life. I've always been somebody who's like, not pleasure seeker necessarily, but like I've always had goals and visions of things. So those have always been given priority, but now might work better to kind of put those, like I'm mm-hmm. going to do these things. So yeah. get the other shit done first. You right. Know? Yeah. Totally. I think, I think for me, you touched on it a little bit, but for me, one of the things that I really want to, to regain control of, I guess is my own, my own sense of freedom, <laughs> as silly as that sounds, but from <clears throat> the compulsion to communicate with people just because they've communicated with me. Mm. Like, I have, I have such a high respect for replies from people that you don't necessarily expect to reply from, especially, especially a meaningful one. Yeah. That I've somewhat kind of white-knighted myself with that, like, if somebody sends me a message, I'm going to do my best to give them an answer or I'm going to give my myself, you know, a, a moment to really potentially help somebody. Those are, again, those are self-serving thoughts. But reality of it is those, those messages, whether they're answered immediately or they're answered once a day or twice a day, um, you're probably going to get the same level of input. You know, mm-hmm. um, and if somebody's messaging you eight, 10 times a day, like 
like you or Logan on Instagram, like, well, we should just text, you know, or, <laughs> right. or, or we should have the, we should have the ability to text, you know? Right. Um, and I, and I just think that's some, that's my number one is like, mm-hmm. make my phone a weapon, not a crutch, mm-hmm. you know, and, and use it for business and use it for Instagram and communicating with the clients that I have and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. But I don't want to be so attached to it. And the, the difficulty for me, one is, like I said, much of my Sorenex work is generated through Instagram. Yep. A lot of my personal work is generated through Instagram. And then I'm also on my phone with Spotify a lot, you yep. know, whether I'm driving or just sitting around the house or whatever it is. Um, I listen to more music than I watch television. So um, it's, it's like figuring out how to get away from that mechanism of going from one app to the other. So sure. it's, it's kind of silly, you know, and again, my life's not going to blow apart if I don't change it, but it is definitely an area. Those two things is kind of like yeah. organizing my week and time management with my phone. I think those two things really go hand in hand. Um, and again, these aren't resolutions. These are things that I just know that I've, I've lacked at doing well for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think because other things are now in order, hunting season is over it's a good time for me to put those practices into place. Cause when I was with Terrence, someone had that from him, you know, that's where Terrence was a big help for me mm-hmm. was that, you know, pr- pretty much almost automatically we got a phone call first thing in the morning or text messages. First thing in the morning, we would talk about our journal. We would talk about things that we had thought about the day before, whatever. So by proxy, his discipline gave me discipline. Um, because we communicated all throughout the day and our days mirrored quite a bit. And somewhat after he died, um, you know, I think that there was a rebellion from some of that stuff. Not, not like I was like trying to negate my effort for things, but just, man, when I did those things, it reminded me of Terrence. So it was like, just let it go. And dude, just like my food, the entire hunting season, I was kind of at the mercy of where I was or what restaurant I was passing. You know, I love to cook. I, I cook mm-hmm. heavily. I'm just now getting back to the point where I'm starting to cook my meals throughout the day. Um, like I enjoy doing, but I just wasn't doing because I wasn't in that practice. So right, I think that it is the dedication to the practice of things that makes things part of the thing. <laughs> as, <laughs> yeah, as broken as that sounds. <laughs> no, I get it. But you, you have to you really have to put things into practice for them to become consistent. And, you know, for me, that's, that's my number one. So the, and, and well, that leads right into what I was going to say for number two, because the act of just doing things will like, like you said, the action has to come first, you know, and whether or not it's a part of your habits or discipline yet, like you have to do the thing in order to get it to that point. Yeah. You know? And so for me, the second, the second one I was going to mention was, uh, I I told you before we got on, I took uh, about eight weeks off of, uh, going to jujitsu regularly. Mm -hmm. And I got back into it this week. Um, went, I've went twice this week already and, uh, felt great. Cause one of the things that I want to focus on is I want to compete again Mm -hmm. and have that, like we've talked about several times, have that thing that working backwards from I'm, yeah. I'm purposeful 
in training and and actually rolling and what I'm doing. And so uh, there's a couple of there's a couple of meets like late spring around here. I think there's a grappling industries in like late April or May or something like that. Yeah, that I'm that I'm looking to compete again in. Uh, and it'll be it'd be my first blue belt tournament. Oh shit! Uh, which would be fun. Yeah. And uh, and I'm just getting into doing more nogi stuff. So that could be uh, an option where I enter in as on nogi as well. Uh, but that kind of giving some focus to my training is one of the things I'm at least for the next like six months. That's a that's a fairly big priority because now my training is pretty focused around a thing. And I actually mentioned before to you also that I'm a part of this like this community of a, of a group of guys um, that I'm a part of that I'm not a coach of, which is why it's really nice for me. So I can have some accountability as well. Um, but we decided to do a little new year challenge for us. And we put some money on the line and stuff and the winners getting the whole thing kind of a deal, yeah. uh, which is fun. Um, but it's, it's fun for me to partake in something like that rather than being the one that's in charge of it all the time where I'm detached and I can't like be involved at, at, at that level. Right. And so that's happening right now in conjunction with like me getting, so my training is very focused right now. Uh, jujitsu is very focused right now. Like it kind of, everything is at least right now feels like it's clicking pretty good and I'm feeling really good. So I'm my plan, at least for this first half of the year is like jujitsu and then training building in and around that with some stuff that I haven't done for a while, but mm -hmm. uh, it's fun and it's feeling really good. Yeah. I, uh, as I mentioned I guess a podcast or two ago, um, really just through the, the complexity of my hunting season and travel and work and whatnot, I didn't do much jujitsu. Um, definitely miss it. I miss the, the community over there. It's just a really great bunch of people and they've got some dogs in there. You know, we got our coach is very, very directive that he wants us to compete and fight. And, yeah. um, he he does a fantastic job of getting people fights when they want them getting people in competition it seems like our kids are in competition at least two two times a month it seems yeah but just a great gym so definitely um i've, I've missed that and i, I missed jujitsu for some of the same reasons that we talked about earlier is like when you're doing that you really can't think of anything outside of that you know yeah and it's it's different in that, you know, you're, you're still kind of receiving so much that you have to be thinking, but it, it is a little different than the recurve. Whereas the recurve is just kind of like a, it is a meditation almost. Mm -hmm. Whereas the other is, is very, some calm. Kind of ex very expressive <laughs> and, and violent, which I think might be a perfect balance. You know, you need a little yeah. bit of both. Um, I myself for a second goal, you know, I haven't had a physical challenge that I set for myself in a while. Mm -hmm. A few years back, I was supposed to be a support climber on Everest. That fell through because of COVID. Um, I'd done the 100,000 meters. I'd done a, a marathon. Obviously, I would love to compete in jiu-jitsu. Um, I have competed in jiu-jitsu, and I enjoy that aspect. I enjoy competition at any level. Um, but I think the number one thing that I'm going to focus on from a competition point this year um, is doing some IBO stuff with archery. Mm. I don't think nice. I'll do very many, but you know, one to two, maybe three mm -hmm. um, along with some tax and winter strong, uh, just really focusing 
it, it sounds silly to say that I'm, I'm focusing on my, I'm not focusing on myself as an archer. I am, but I am focusing more on the technical side of the builds and the execution of form and things like that. So yep. all of those things are making me a better archer, but primarily I'm just very fascinated with the, the art of arrow flight, the, the building and the different setups that you can use and different materials that people decide to go with for strings or tabs or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, maybe somewhat of a, a silly personal goal, but like you, um, I do need something to compete at because that, that makes me a competitor. You right. know, um, I can sit out here and shoot these targets in my backyard and shoot well and think, man, I'm doing great. But when somebody's standing beside you and there's high pressure and, and they're better than you, well, that just, that creates a different kind of mindset. And, and I operate well in that mindset. So, um, I think those two are, are fairly simple, you know, things that I've been thinking about as far as more dedication to organization on things, mm-hmm. competing in something, jujitsu and archery being the main two. Yeah. And then really the, the third commitment, I guess for me is revamping my training now that I am training with those things in mind, you know, like, yeah. um, like I told you before, I was just trying to maintain a baseline through, uh, through the hunting season. I didn't want to go backwards. Yeah. Wasn't necessarily trying to get better. I gained three pounds from September till now. So, I mean, pretty much kept myself online. You know, I don't know if that three pounds is water, if it's muscle, if it's fat, what, but it's, um, that's pretty good. You know, I've, yeah. I've pretty much maintained myself. So moving forward, um, I was, I was training every single night, at least mm-hmm. some, I was training every single morning, at least some, I think that I will continue that process, but the days are going to, you know, back to the cube protocol. I've, I've always liked rotating intensities and flirting with those ideas. Yep. So I think I'm probably just going to stick to two days of really hard training, like upper mm. and lower. And then I'm talking weights, like a little bit sure. heavier, a little bit mm-hmm. more moderate rep. And then, uh, kind of in that, you know, five to eight range, try to build some strength, but then prioritize my accessories two days a week around those heavy days, yeah. two days a week. I will probably just do strictly movement, uh, and body weight stuff. And then on the, the next two days, I will, I will be training six days a week. I am going to take a day off, but the next two days I intend on doing something more like hypertrophy, um, yeah. or like, you know, something like a really challenging row, like row sprint, just some, some metabolic work to stay in shape, to get a little better than I am. Again, I'm still in that 230, 235 range as a, as a catch point. And I really like how I feel and operate here, but I've kind of existed here for two years now. Um, and I don't know that my performance you know, I do perform things at a high level, but I don't know that my performance has climbed. Mm. I think it's, you know, I've gotten to a really good level of performance and it's like, okay, let's just maintain this and milk it. Maybe see if I can get myself down to around 220, 225, a little better conditioning. Yeah. Um, a little more power, a little strength, but lighter. I think that would be a good six month goal for me. That would also take me somewhat into um, pre-hunt, 
time. You know, yep. maybe if I go on vacation, I, I look okay with my shirt off or something like that. Right. So it's going to kind of coincide because the next six months will then be dedicated to like a three month block of mountain preparation, um, definite archery preparation, mental preparation. And then the last three months will pretty much be execution of the hunting. So that's probably going to be how my, my years kind of cycle Mm-hmm. forever i mean I, I see myself hunting for a long time so six months of dedicated let's get better three months of let's milk what we got and three months of let's burn it down <laughs> right <laughs> what, what about you the i would say the last one actually is, is fairly similar because one of the things i really wanted to put a focus on um for this year and it will obviously help in both competing and this fall is getting back to like a, a pretty high level of conditioning that I used mm-hmm. to have uh, that I haven't had because I mean, not that there hasn't been a need for it. Like I'm fairly well conditioned, but when I was, when you're a track athlete, like that's yeah, all sure. you, I mean, you know, that's a different kind of level of stuff. Um, but getting back to something like that, where I remember how I felt in that, when I was in that place yeah and uh just i mean how i moved and how i could how i could breathe and all of these things that were uh i didn't realize how good they were until they were gone yeah you know what i mean and (laughs) getting back to getting back to that or putting more of a focus into really cranking on conditioning um is something i'm excited about and it's like I've, i've told you a few times in the last few months but not that I think I'll go this route on it, but the stuff that guys do that are like the ultra guys mm-hmm. is just so fascinating to me. Yeah. Like oh, just I admire a, the shit out of it. I mean, I mean, and it's, and the more you look, the more you look at how humans are designed, you know, like that's why we're so effective. And that's why we were so effective as hunters for centuries, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, I have sent you the, I think I sent you that podcast of Shane Mahoney when he was on Randy. Oh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's talking about it. Uh, I can't remember which tribe it was in Africa. Um, but they would hunt kudu mm-hmm. and the way that they would hunt kudu is literally chase them until the kudu got tired. Yeah. Like they could run for hours and oh, yeah. like days and they would, they, you know, they would stop and let the, let them, you know, take a breather for a second and then they would take off again and they would just, they'd literally run them down. Yeah. And that level of endurance is wild. And like, that's something I'm so interested in. Like, I don't know if it'll lead me to be like where I want to do ultra type stuff, but I think it's so fun to throw things like that into the mix every once in a while. It's like, yeah, I feel like I'm pretty good condition, but what if I just wanted to go run like 11 miles today for no reason? Could I even do that? Yeah. You know, and like see how it goes. And if I, if it blows me up, I'm like, okay, well I got to start fixing something, something then, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a guy, um, there's a guy, he's a persistence hunter. He's a longbow hunter. He's tried to do that. I mean, he's done it on, I think he's done it on mule deer and elk. Um, but he's tried to do it on antelope and he's never caught them. Um, but I do know a guy in Australia that he persistent stalks everything it's he kills wild and he just walks them down. You know, he, he'll, he'll blow them out, find them again, walk them down, blow them mm-hmm. out find them, you know, and eventually, I mean, it's, it's probably a lot for some people, but like this dude is, is living a survivalist lifestyle. He's not right. He's not going back to an air conditioned apartment. Like 
Right. He walks these things down. Basically, they exhaust themselves and lay down. He just walks over and cuts their throat. And, um, you know, I don't know if you think that's awesome. I don't know if you think that's stupid or cruel or whatever, but like it is a very effective tool in a place that doesn't allow very many weapons, you know, which is Australia. Seriously. So, um, they had to survive some way. Uh, I definitely heard of very similar stories. I mean, there's, there's tribes in Africa to this day that still kill. They steal S T E A L a kill from lions, hyenas, whatever. They, they basically bum rush them and scare them off and they steal the meat. So, um, I'm not going to go on an anti hunter, anti rant but i'm just gonna leave that sometimes it's a lot easier to point the finger from a very cushy comfortable air conditioned or heated place um and and we're just yeah so persistence hunting is awesome yeah and it's just (laughs) well and just like the the level up i think what i'm maybe what i admire most is that level of suffering that you can just endure at that point. Oh yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The guys that do like the trail runs, like uh, uh, a buddy of mine who has his Instagram account is primal run coaching mm-hmm. and uh, had him on the podcast before. He's awesome. And uh, he'll do like in the minimalist sandals, like go on trail runs in the mountains, like 12, 15 miles. And he's in his late forties has like teenage kids and stuff. And he's just a freak. And I'm just like, it's so cool to me that you can just like get up and go do that. And he's like, yeah, it sucks, but it's all like, it's a new experience. This you said when you went and did your marathon, like it's some of the, and it's the most common thing I hear from these guys. It's like you experience the lowest lows and the highest highs, like in the midst of that. And I think that, that extreme ends of, the spectrum are what make it so appealing. Yeah. Like it's going to be God awful for a while, but then it's like, you're going to feel better than maybe ever had. And it'll happen at almost the mile 12 or what, like something you wouldn't expect, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's, um, I think that's one of those things that we have so much common joy in our lives, you know? And I mean that just from simple things like dopamine things. Mm -hmm. Um, that we really don't have those moments of like, holy shit, this was possible. You yeah. know, um, I, I think certainly being in the outdoors and being a hunter, you're somewhat catapulted back into more of those moments just because of, you know, you go on a, a routine camping trip and it rains. Well, you've got to shuffle on your feet. You've got to do some thinking. You've got to do some acting here. You got to figure some things out An animal like, no matter how hard it is when you, when you are successful in the same ilk that it feels like to, to make love, to start a fire, to, to whatever that thing is in its own separate vein, you feel that kind of thing. And I think maybe, maybe not at that primal, primal liver King level, (laughs) but uh, somewhat at that, that just human level that if you overcome your best or you'd go a little further than you thought you could, you get those kinds of, of empowerment to just keep going. Like when you're, when you're successful on the hardest hunt of your life, you might sit there and celebrate, but I guarantee you part of your conversation the next day is about going back. Yeah. You know? So that is, that is the mindset of a, of a motivated, successful person. They keep doing the hard things 
because the harder it is, the higher the reward. But you know, it's like you've got to you got to weigh out all of the things that we value in our lives and put them in the right place. Like, does getting a new T-shirt feel as good as warmth of a fire when you're cold? No. So why do we forget that a fire feels good when we're cold until we're cold? You know, like right again. I don't know. I thought it, it reminds me of the. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of the. I I'm sure we've talked about it before, but um, the example that I think on one of the meat eater episodes Renella gave where he's talking about uh, you know, what you actually look back on and remember as the most fun times, mm-hmm. you know, years later, whatever he's like, yeah, roller coaster is like super fun when you're on it. But like, do you look back 20 years later and be like, man, that roller coaster was super fun because it was fun in that moment. He's like, right. no, you look back on that hunt where it was like sideways rain and 50 mile an hour winds and everybody is ticked off the entire time. Yep. And then you talk about, he's like, man, that was brutal. But how cool was that, man? How fun was that weekend or whatever? Well, I and think like, it, those are the things that you go back and remember. I think it's a measuring stick against yourself in time. Yeah. You know, like I, I shied away from looking at my powerlifting as anything good for a long time because I, I was so bad, you know, like I was just in, not in a good place. I was not making good choices. So I refused for a long time to look at those accomplishments in any way positive. But the reality of the thing is I remember training when I was 19 years old, uh, very much wanting to be world's strongest man or like in that caliber. I was Mm -hmm. 210 pounds, 220 pounds. Um, but having that mindset and and doing the lifts that I did and setting goals for myself and training with the people I trained with competing and beating the people that I beat, like there's been a lot of times, especially this last year and the year before that, where I've like, you piece of shit. When you get your head around something, when you put your mind to something, you can do it. And you did it in spite of yourself. Like you did it even when you were making poor choices and this, that, and the other. So I have those kind of talks with myself all the time. Like, you are capable of anything that you put your mind to. What are you going to put your mind to? And that's, that's also a dangerous place because it's like, then you start trying to create this perfect idea rather than like you said, or we said in the beginning, there's already something there. There's already a voice telling you what to do. Um, But again, it's, it's scary to be the lone wolf and I hate that word too, but um (laughs) you know, it's, it is a bit scary to be in the midst of like, man, I need to change something. I need to, you know, revamp my body or change my career or or change my relationship when they're already set in place. Like, you know, you know that there's a repetition, you're in a groove. It's hard, man. Like those are the things that I think most people communicate to me about is like, how do I break the cycle of same? And you know, we're not doing anything we haven't done in our lives. We're just revisiting the things that worked and maybe trying to do them better or, or apply them now. I mean, that's all I've ever done is, mm-hmm. is tried to do the things that I thought would make me happy and, and try to maintain as much peace as I can. And my compass was wrong for a long time. But <laughs> but the next action, I mean, that's where the whole, like you said, yeah, plus one well, thing comes from. It's like it is. what's the next what's the next thing? And I'll make that the I'll make that the best choice in that moment. You yeah. Know, and I, I think that comes with age too. I mean, I think yeah. once you start to live a little bit and you you have some wrinkles around your eyes and 
you know, whatever. Um, you just start, you just start to get tired of yourself, or at least I did, you know. And um, I, like I said, I'm I'm just as susceptible as anyone to my shortcomings and falling back into ruts and falling into bad habits. I mean, those things, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a cookie jar three feet away. Like <laughs> I walk by that thing multiple times a day, so I don't put cookies in it, or I'm going to be eating cookies all day. You know, <laughs> it's dude. it's uh, it's it really is just a constant self-assessment and self, you know, mm-hmm. self-awareness of where you are, what you're doing, where you want to be. I think it's a pretty good place to wrap it up. Yeah. I'm just going to keep rambling. So. <laughs> well, you're good, man. <laughs> we have two, we had two weeks of stuff to catch up on. We needed to get it yeah. all flowing. You know no, I, mean? I, oh, I think it's important, man. I, I think we talked about a lot of good stuff today. And I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's good too, that, you know, the things that you're focused on, and the things that I'm focused on, obviously they aren't too different. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it, for me, it just always is a good thing to kind of have that reinforcement of like, okay, I'm on the right path. Just keep yeah, going to do these things. So I appreciate you very much. And I hope if anybody's listening and, and they're struggling with any of this stuff, just keep going. Like there's, yeah. there's no other alternative than just keep going. Mm-hmm. We'll catch you guys next week. Appreciate it, Ross. Thanks, guys. 